The following program is a production of the Barroom Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffoon. This defense sucks. This is moronic. John Buffoon. Your best run plays are coming off end arounds. There's a problem. Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64-yard drives. Now, it's his nephew, John. And there's no holding this buffoon back either. The biggest thing that affected Justin Fields was a coaching change. And now he has an offensive coordinator, and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback. Something we have not seen in a long time. I've had it! I want somebody to get kicked in the ass. When I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft, and I see people commenting, Chicago, and it's not even close, then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive. I got my ass whipped many times, but I tell you, I took somebody down with me. I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no. The Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's Buffone 55. The John Buffon Show. Welcome, everybody. My name is John Buffon. No, not. My name is actually Aldo Gambia, and I'm filling in for John Buffon who is on a break in the middle of a three-week break. Uh, but don't worry, the better half of the show is here. Alyssa, how are you? I'm doing good. I mean, you nailed that impression. John would be very, very proud. <laughs> you think John wants me to change that open where uh, he says we're not going to be the worst team in the National Football League? <laughs> well, he, he's like, this. they're not going to have the number overall, number one overall pick in this. Hey, well, two. I mean, hey, it's not one, so he's not entirely wrong at this point. But, yeah, I mean – Wow, that really has aged finally. <laughs> yes. Well, with all the injuries on this team, uh, like uh, who was it? Uh, J Rock says in the chat room, this game is going to be ugly with the Bears with all these injuries. The Bears might actually perform like unequivocally the worst team in the National Football League on Sunday. And uh, we have a very special guest here to rub it in. It's Eli Berkovitz of the Pack a Day podcast. Eli, you're you're involved in a bunch of other things. Well, I want you. That was wrong. <laughs> wrong button. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody uh, what you work on? Yeah, thank you. Number one, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Definitely looking forward to talking about this game. And yeah, like you said, I'm a co-host on the Pack-A-Day podcast with uh, Janelle Mackey. And and uh, sorry, I'm, I'm spacing out right now. but uh, Somebody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, just completely blanked on his name. But uh, yeah, I also do... Uh, open book on Game on Wisconsin every uh, Wednesday night. So that'll actually be later on tonight. We'll discuss this uh, Packers-Bears game. And I also do some writing for PackerReport.com. So, yeah, kind of uh, all over the place a little during football season. Fabulous. Uh, Alyssa, why don't you start off the questioning? Yeah, I mean, we're all in our in-game tonight, which is perfect. We're right on par with our team. So, uh, Eli, I want to start with Aaron Rodgers. Where else could we start? Uh, 
it's a topic we could talk about at length uh, for the next 30 minutes. But, you know, it's been a rough year for Rodgers, which is something Bears fans have enjoyed, you yeah. know, between his performance and the injuries. So I'm curious, what do you think has – like, what's gone wrong with Rodgers this year? And what is the outlook for his future in Green Bay? Because with that contract, it's going to be pretty hard to, 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 uh, to cut him or part ways with him. Yeah, I think uh, first off, I think the biggest uh, thing for Rodgers, even before the injuries, was just getting you know used to playing with these new receivers, these younger guys, Watson, Dobbs, uh, even you know Sammy Watkins, who they brought in. Uh, just not as much uh, familiarity with them as he's had with guys like Devontae Adams, Shorty Nelson, obviously Cobb, who's still there, but he's been in, a, in and out of the lineup with injuries. And then, yeah, once uh, in week five, you know, breaking his thumb against the Giants in London, you know, as a quarterback, I can only imagine trying to throw the ball with a fractured thumb and, you know, gripping the ball. Definitely not easy. And then Christian Watson going out with injury, Alan Lazard missed some time. Now Romeo Dobbs is out. So there's never been any kind of continuity in the offense. So that definitely hasn't helped. But for me, I just think uh, this team, even if Rodgers wasn't injured, even if even last year with Devontae Adams, I just always thought Matt LaFleur's offense runs the best when Aaron Jones is the focal piece of the offense uh, as opposed to the passing game, which isn't usually the case with Aaron Rodgers. But especially now, I just I think they need to turn to the run game more than ever. You know, before Alyssa does a follow-up here, because I know she wants to learn more about Jordan Love, uh, I got to ask you, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. I used to do a Packers podcast years ago, and the love for Ann Rogers was off the charts, you know. Uh, but now, am I right in sensing that there is a anguish against uh, – uh, there's growing anguish against Aaron Rodgers and his behavior and the things that he has said and done and so forth. I mean, he doesn't even eat cheese anymore. So, uh, what, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, it's honestly, I mean, it's for me, it's, it's pretty sad to see just how many, you know, Packer fans have so quickly turned on someone who's kind of been the face of the franchise for 15 years now. And yeah, you know, you go back to maybe some of the things he's said in the past, you know, the whole COVID thing, the immunized, all that, you know, didn't help, obviously. And then, you know, this year, the injury is not playing as well. You know, I think just the fans, their expectations are so high that the second you don't meet them, they turn really fast, which, I mean, they basically did on Favre, I think, on, you know, multiple occasions in his career before, you know, finishing strong and obviously retiring, coming back, not coming back, but... Yeah, I just think I do think there there is definitely a portion. I think it's I think they're just louder. I don't think it's like a majority. I think they're just louder than the majority of fans who are just dealing with it as it is. But I would say, yeah, there's definitely, you know, a percentage of Packer fans that have pretty quickly turned on Aaron Rodgers, which I, I don't fully understand myself. And with that in mind, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about whether Jordan Love should start the rest of the season after that Sunday night performance against the Eagles when he relieved and injured Rodgers. So I'm curious, what were your thoughts on Love's performance in that game and his future with Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I was I was definitely happy to see that. I was impressed. Thought he made some really good throws, seemed decisive, good fo footwork, and it was just it was just nice to see from someone who doesn't play a lot. We saw him obviously start last year versus Kansas City when Rodgers was out with COVID. And he had a decent game, but there was definitely some stuff he wanted to see get cleaned up. And I feel like this preseason, he was starting to show that and being a lot more decisive with his throws and just having better fundamentals. And then I think we saw that on Sunday night. I mean, even just obviously the touchdown throw to Watson, 
It might have only been about 10 to 12 yards downfield, but coming off the play action, eyes downfield, hit him right in stride, gave him the chance to run after the catch and score. Um, also, I mean, two of his incompletions were maybe two of his best, throw, best throws of the night. One of them to Aaron Jones on the sideline, kind of that shot throw between the safety and the corner. Jones just uh, kind of dropped it, went right through his hands. And then on third down, I think his last throw of the night, which was to Randall Cobb, who was on the run, threw it across his body, hit him right in the chest, and probably a bit of a defensive passing interference, which caused him to drop it. But yeah, I was definitely impressed by Love, but I also, I don't really expect him to, I mean, I guess if the Packers get eliminated and Rodgers' injuries don't get any better, or if they do get worse, I guess then it wouldn't totally surprise me if we see Love start a game. But it would surprise me if Rodgers is fully healthy, maybe, maybe week 18, they put Love in. If Rodgers is kind of giving off the vibes that maybe this is the last year or he's just banged up and he's like, all right, let Jordan Love start this game. But I just think if there's even a chance he returns next year, I think it would just cause too much drama to bench him, even if they're eliminated. But unless he's legitimately hurt, I think it would, you know, we I'm a big Rodgers fan, but I'll be the first to admit that you know, he, he can maybe be a little bit sensitive at times. And I feel like if he gets benched for love when he's healthy enough to play, it probably will, would be counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, Matt LaFleur said today that Rodgers is definitely going to play, but would you like as a Packers fan and someone who covers the team, would you like to see him play any portion of that Bears game? I mean, everyone suspects that the Packers are going to get a quick lead because the defensive secondary for the Bears is is injured and they've got no pass rush and so forth. Would you like to see Jordan Love get a quarter or a half in there? Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, I guess, depending on how the game's going. But assuming it's a close game, which most Packers Bear games are, I just I don't know if they're just going to put you know force him in kind of especially into a pretty wild environment in Chicago which I'm sure it will be but I I I would like to see him again this year at some point I mean if they assuming they get eliminated sooner than later even if like you said it's for a quarter or a half you know it'd be nice just to see what he can do outside of one game here one game there but again I don't know if he's necessarily going to get the starting nod before maybe week 18. And Eli, what's your impression on Packers head coach Matt LaFleur? Uh, he's got one of the best records all time of a coach coming into the National Football League. His one loss record is is fantastic. But, you know, as I read things in social media and some articles, there does seem to be some unrest with the Packer faithful about uh, LaFleur and some of the decision making. What's your take on on the head coach? Yeah, Um it, it's it's difficult because I was just saying earlier how quickly people can turn on Aaron Rodgers, and I don't want to sound like one of those people who will do the same to LaFleur because, like you said, I mean, historic start to a career, no other way to put it. But even throughout those years where, you know, 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-4, and four, you know, there were a lot of questionable decisions, most importantly in the biggest games and the biggest times, you know, going back – San Francisco in 2019, blown out of the championship game, no answer for the run game. And then you go versus Tampa Bay in 2020, they lost David Bakhtiari right before the playoffs. And then, in most people's opinion, a pretty question, a lot of questionable decisions on the offensive line. And obviously, the fourth down call at the end of the game to kick a field goal, which I think a lot of people were confused by. And then last year versus the Niners in the playoffs, again, a very interesting choice on the offensive line. Uh, lineup, which caused a lot of problems for the offense. And it just seems like 
not that he's a bad a bad coach in any of these times. I just think experience. You know, just a lot of these moments and these big playoff moments or big games throughout the season. I think some of his lack of experience shows a bit. And for me, as I said earlier, one one part that I I have a hard time justifying or defending Matt Lafleur on is Aaron Jones' usage. I just think I just think he's one of the most talented running backs in the league. And whenever he's touching the ball a ton, the offense seems unstoppable. The Packers win games. And it's like this year, you'd be pretty lucky if he gets 15 touches, let alone 15 carries. So that part to me about, you know, the floor, he just, at times he seems very just in his ways. And even if all the evidence is showing he should be doing something else, he just kind of sticks with his ways, which at times works, but at times it just seems like you're running into a brick wall and it's like, what are you doing? And the last time these two teams met, the Packers went nuclear on Chicago's run defense. And you're talking about, you know, Aaron Jones's usage. Do you see that this is a game where that changes, especially when you have a banged up Aaron Rodgers and you're going against one of the worst run defenses in the league? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I would definitely hope so. But I feel like the Packers have had a lot of opportunities to feature the run and they just haven't really done it. Even if they do, it's a lot of A.J. Dillon, which until the Eagles game, he did have a nice game on Sunday night, but I think it's been overall a pretty big step back for Dylan this year, as opposed to what he was last year. Um, obviously, you know, I'm not in any way giving up on him. He's a young guy. Hopefully he can bounce back uh, next year. But yeah, I mean, with the way with Rogers injuries right now, it would make the most sense, obviously, to get Jones and Dylan a combined uh, somewhere around 30 to 35 carries, I would say. But for me, and again, this is coming as, very big Aaron Rodgers fan. I just always think the more Aaron Jones touches the ball, just the better this offense is going to be. I got two questions regarding the offensive line. Uh, first of all, what's the health of left tackle uh, David Bakhtiari and the uh, left guard Elton Jenkins? Are, are Have they been playing lately? And if so, how have they looked? Yeah, they've, they've played most of the season. Um, missed a game here, missed a game there, but they've been out there for most of the time. Bakhtiari, uh, he's been the one that's probably been more in and out of the lineup, not only by games, but even during the an actual game, he'll be in first series, out first series. That was more the beginning of the year. It seems like he's been playing the full game the last few weeks. And he's definitely knocking off some rust, but he's looking pretty close to, you know, an elite left tackle again. I wouldn't necessarily say the all pro he was two or three years ago, but I could see that, you know, Maybe a year ago, I was very nervous about what his future could hold at all, but I could see him getting back to that elite all-pro level maybe next year as long as he continues to stay healthy. But Elton Jenkins, who was one of my favorite draft picks and immediately came out, came out of the draft and was just a stud for the Packers all over the line, he seems to be definitely needing to shake off more rust than Bakhtiari. And I also think even though he was a guard and center in college, he just doesn't seem to be as good at left guard as he's been, whether it was a right guard or even a right tackle or even a left tackle when he was replacing Bakhtiari when he was hurt. But this year, I mean, Jenkins, he's just, he's not looked as elite and he looked very elite his first couple of years in the NFL. So I don't know if that's just the ACL or he's not as comfortable left guard, but I'm definitely hoping he, uh, he, you know, fixes that up and cleans up his game because I know, I believe he's going into a, a contract year and I've definitely heard some rumors that the Bears could be looking at him, and I don't know how I feel about that. 
<laughs> yeah, for, frankly, uh, guys that are banged up, I, I like for the Bears to stay away from, but he definitely is a quality offensive lineman and incredibly versatile. Uh, regarding the other members of the offensive line, just in general, if the Bears wanted to you know, concentrate their pass rush on some weak area of the offensive line, uh, what is the weakest area of that offensive line? Um, even even with Jenkins' struggles, at least in my opinion, I would say the left side of the line is still definitely the strongest part for the offensive line. So I'd say the right side, either over Yash Nyman at right tackle or John Rodian Jr. at right guard. They haven't been like awful, but compared to Bakhtiari and Jenkins, I would say they're definitely weaker. And I would say more likely to get penalized for holding or some other, uh, you know, some illegal man downfield, something just not as experienced. Um, but yeah, the right side definitely weaker, but overall, I mean, the offensive line for the Packers usually manages to play pretty well. Uh, but yeah, I would say either over the center or the right side of the line is your best bet. And there were some concerns, as you mentioned uh, before, about the Packers receivers earlier this season, but rookie Christian Watson's emergence has been a pleasant surprise. And I'm curious, what's impressed you most with Watson this season and have any other Packers wideouts stood out? Yeah, so, I mean, Watson, definitely a surprise. I mean, I was very high on him coming out of the draft, and I was very excited that they traded up to get a receiver, even though it wasn't the first round, but still pretty exciting. Uh, and then, obviously, the beginning of the, the first play of the season, you know, the drop versus Minnesota, and then injuries, other drop balls, and it was just like, are they not on the same page, him and Rodgers, or is he just a rookie going through some rookie struggles? And it really was, I mean, versus Dallas, when he – brought in that first touchdown, that whatever, seven, 65, 70-yard touchdown, you just felt like this weight got taken off of him. And he just had this confidence right after that catch where it was just like, all right, I can do this. You know, I'm in the NFL now, and I finally made a big play after a handful of drops, and here it is. You know, I'm here now. And then since really that play, he's just been – seems unguardable. I mean, even when he's not getting the ball, it seems like he's always open. Just running past guys, he's so fast and lanky. Uh, just today, Darius Slay, I'm not sure what show he was on, but he was asked about Christian Watson Sunday night, and he said when he caught that ball over the middle, he did not have the angle to the sideline at all versus safety. And he's like, when you have the speed to outrun angles, that's how you know you are really, really fast. So it's exciting. I feel like the Packers' offense, they don't have that kind of speed usually. Even Devontae Adams doesn't really have that speed. Jordy Nelson, maybe at like his prime, he was known as a speedster, but I don't think – I don't think you compare him to Watson. So it's really exciting to see whether it's going to be with Rodgers or Love next year, whatever it's going to be. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he has a really bright future, And as well as Romeo Dobbs. I mean, before he got hurt, he was really the one making plays for the Packers at receiver. And not necessarily those big, long touchdowns like Watson's been doing, but more of like the technical catches, a lot of hands catches over the middle. He had a very impressive touchdown against Buffalo kind of falling down, caught with his hands right by the sideline in the back of the end zone. So I, I do think the Packers uh, with Watson and Dobbs have, have a pretty bright future at receiver, assuming they can stay healthy. What about the uh, – let's turn our attention to the defense. What about the front seven of the defense? Um I was watching the Packers the other night. One of the national broadcasters was talking about uh, Kenny Clark not uh, being that dominant force that he's been in the past. Is there something going on there? And just in general, can you tell us about the overall front seven of, uh, of this Packer team? Yeah, so, I mean, starting off with Kenny Clark, yeah, I, I would say at least compared to his usual Pro Bowl level play, 
it's not been there this year. And I think part of that has to do with, excuse me, not getting help around them. Um, when you have, you know, the rest of the interior line is, you know, Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, who's been a bit of a journeyman, young guys like TJ Slayton and rookie Devonte Wyatt. So he's facing a ton of double teams, really not any other threat in the interior for the Packers. And then losing Rashawn Gary for the season definitely didn't help. So just overall the front seven and yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some, there's talent there, but they're not, they're not playing up to it. Preston Smith has had a good year. I would say that, but outside of Preston Smith and then Rashawn Gary before getting hurt, it's been a little bit, it's been pretty disappointing. Uh, one bright spot though, I think has been uh, Kingsley and Ibarre, the rookie out of South Carolina. He looks, he looks really explosive off the edge. Uh, still, still a rookie, but I think he can really turn into a good player opposite Rashawn Gary in the future. But yeah, losing Rashawn Gary, huge blow. And I think the bigger problem with the defense though would definitely be Joe Barry and just his scheme and the way he's coaching this defense. It's just the amount of picks and money that they have invested in the defense for them to play like this. It almost seems impossible. It just, I don't think that amount of talent can play that bad unless they're not being put in the position to succeed. And the Bears passing game has been the worst in the league since the beginning of the season. And it's probably not going to get better now that Mooney's out for the year and Justin Fields is injured. With that said, depending on whatever Bears quarterback's playing, because it could be Fields, it could be Simeon, it could be Peterman. Bears just signed Tim Boyle for the Lions practice squad. Who knows? Uh, are there opportunities for the Bears quarter for a Bears quarterback to find success through the air? Could you preview the Packers secondary for us? Yeah, um, I, I would say so. Uh, Ryan Tannehill looked like uh, all pro the other Thursday night. I, I actually drove out to Green Bay to watch that game, and it, it was it was pretty rough because, again, you know, between Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Adrian Amos, I mean, there's talent in that secondary, and I just think they're not being put in a position to, to succeed. Every third down, it could be third and six, third and five, and they're playing 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. So it's just an easy first down, time after time after time. So whether it's Fields or Simeon or Peterman, if they can throw a quick, you know, five-yard curl or up route, they're probably going to have open receivers a lot of the time. So that's been the most frustrating part is just knowing what the way they played last year and then adding Quay Walker, adding Devontae Wyatt, bringing back Devondre Campbell, bringing back Razul Douglas. I mean, just so much money, so much draft capital. And to continue playing the way they did, the way, the way they are, it's just very frustrating and that kind of goes back to my point earlier about Matt LaFleur, where it's where it's like, I don't know how you can really justify Joe Barry continuing to run this defense when there's that much talent and they're playing so poorly. But it's pretty standard Packers operation to kind of let maybe people stick around a little bit longer than they should and make moves kind of once it's too late. So, yeah, I think whether it's – if it's Fields, I think you can definitely have success. And we know the way Jalen Hurts just ran – if Fields is out there, it would be pre pretty problematic for the Packers defense. But even if it's Simeon or Peterman, I don't think I don't know if I'm necessarily going to drive the ball downfield a ton. But if they take what the defense gives them, which will probably be more than they should, I think they could uh, move the ball down the field. 
Eli, uh, Alyssa and I arm wrestled to uh, see who would ask you this uh, final question about the team, and uh, she won, so I'm stuck asking you about special teams. Uh, is, there, is there anyone on the special teams that the Bears should be concerned about, like a gunner? Uh, how's Mr. Crosby doing? We all know about our punter. He's playing great with you guys, so you can skip that. But anything we as Bears fans should know? Well, I would say sign to keep an eye on is the new kick returner for the Packers, Keyshawn Nixon. Uh, they released Amari Rodgers a couple weeks ago. Obviously, a lot of fumble problems there. So Nixon has taken over, and on Sunday night versus the Eagles, he had two 50-plus yard kick returns and I believe a 38-yard kick return. Uh, it was the first time in, I think, 30 years the Packers have had two 50-plus yard kick returns, the first time in the NFL the whole season this year. So he's looked really explosive, and he also looked good versus Tennessee a couple weeks ago. So I would say, yeah, Keyshawn Nixon has definitely made a surprising impact as a kick returner. But outside of that, I mean, the Packers special teams is uh, it's 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 rough. I mean, Mason Crosby, I obviously appreciate him, one of my favorite players, and deserves to probably be in the Packers Hall of Fame, all-time leading scorer. But I think, I mean, he's he's just done. I mean, when you can't even attempt a kick of like 45 plus yards, you're putting your team in a pretty tough position. So hmm. um, I always ask the uh, folks in the chat room uh, if they've got any questions for our guests, uh, but because you cover the Packers, most of these questions are not suitable uh, for uh, a public show. <laughs> but I will ask you a couple. Uh, St. Ambi is asking, why didn't the Packers, uh, why didn't the Packers think about signing uh, Equinemius St. Brown? What's the story with EQ? Um, I just, he really had, I, I thought he showed some flashes for sure as a rookie, but then every year it just seemed like he couldn't stay healthy. And every time he got healthy and he was activated, he would be out there for a few plays and somehow he was hurt again. And he just never got into a rhythm with Aaron Rodgers or the offense, but it was a shame because I actually really did like him coming out of that draft. I liked him in college, but I would say that, I mean, I, I liked his brother more coming out of college and we see now with Detroit, he's definitely been a good player. Uh, and the last one from the chat room uh, is uh, from Don Burr. I don't know if Don Burr crashes your podcast, but uh, he's a Detroit Lions fan, and he's always crashing our shows here. And so he's asking what your thoughts on the Lions. And, uh, Eli, you can swear, so you can't tell him to go F off if you want. <laughs> um, I won't say that. I, I do I do like the thought, though. But, no, I would say <laughs> the, the, Lions, uh, the Lions actually – are a little bit scary right now. I mean, kind of with that young core they have with, you know, obviously Aiden Hutchinson and then on the offense, you have Jameson Williams, who hasn't even come yet to play, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Jamal Williams, killing it for them. And just overall, I mean, they have some good guys in the secondary, good young players. So, I mean, the Lions, it always feels like the Lions are going to manage just lose games. It's just like it's the NFC version of the Browns almost. But um, if there was ever a time, at least in my lifetime, that I think the Lions – can actually turn into a bit of a threat. It would be over these next few years. I think a big part of it, though, would be if Jared Goff can get back to where he was in L.A. or kind of be like a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and I don't know if they're going to be able to succeed a lot with that. Uh, and, Eli, before we let you go, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I want to get your prediction for the game, a.k.a. how much do you think the Packers are going to win by? <laughs> um I, I wish I could say a lot. I really do. But I, I mean, I don't think I've been this like conflicted going into a Bears game in a while. Obviously, the way the Packers are playing right now, it doesn't seem, you know, as 
as uh, easy as maybe it used to be, but it's never really too easy against against the Bears. So I'll go. Hmm, I'll go. I'll go twenty-seven, twenty-one Packers. Wow. Yeah, pretty close. I mean, I wish, but I don't think the Packers are really in a blowout mode this season. I just don't see it happening for any team. So yeah. Well, Eli, you've been a great guest. Why don't you let people know where they can find you on the Twitter machine and uh, your shows and so forth. Uh, and keep in mind, this is also an audio podcast. Yeah. So uh, first off, again, thank you guys so much. It was a blast coming on and I would always uh, love to come back. And yeah, uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter where you'll find most of my work at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Um, also over at Packaday Podcast, co-hosting with Janelle Mackey and Matt Fralick. I don't know why I blinked on his name earlier, but yeah, good friend of mine, good guy. I just blinked on that. And then, yeah, uh, Open Book, A Game on Wisconsin, also with Janelle Mackey and Zach Jacobson every Wednesday night, so actually a little bit later tonight. And then also uh, my writing over at PackerReport.com. Well, tell our good friend Zach that we said hi here from the bar room. He will, he worked at the NFC North bar room many years ago. Uh, he's gone on to bigger and better things working with you. <laughs> all right, Eli, thanks very much. We'll uh, talk to you down the road, all right? all right? Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. You got it. We'll be back with more Buffon 55 after these messages. got buffon's basement but no buffon <laughs> so is it really it's just a basement <laughs> basement. <laughs> but it's not empty of thoughts about our chicago bears we've got really a lot to talk about and this is you and i were talking uh before the show started uh, Alyssa. this has been a strange season and i you know i anticipated that this bears team was going to be bad this season but i didn't anticipate how I was going to feel around this point of the season, particularly knowing that the games ahead are really tough matches and we may not win another game the entire season. I hate to say that, but with all these injuries, you know, it's starting to feel that way and we could be headed for that number two or number three draft pick. How do you feel personally about, first of all, your favorite NFL team playing this way and then also covering the team for BearsWire.com as you do day to day, seven days a week, 365 days a year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's been frustrating ever since obviously Justin Fields went down with the injury because like even though they were losing and it was miserable, I mean, I just like loved waking up on Sundays knowing that I got to watch Justin Fields play football. And I think I even went into this season expecting it was going to be ugly. So I was always looking towards 2023. Uh, so, I mean, my mind, I've been there mentally for a while, <laughs> like already thinking about like what I'm going to be doing. And I mean, it's frustrating because I think this is, this defense is just brutal. Uh, I mean, we should have known that after the big names that they've lost, but I mean, it, it's frustrating because then I have to, you know, obviously, you know, cover it the entire week. And then, you know, I feel like I'm recycling things uh, at this point, especially with fields being down. But 
at the same time, they're sitting at three and nine, and I actually feel optimistic for the future, which is a very weird place to be in. You know, it, it's interesting going into this game against the Packers. They're four and eight. I mean, they have one more win than the Bears, one less loss than them. But at the same time, the Bears are supposed to be bad this year. The Packers were supposed to be contenders. And, you know, going into this offseason, I really feel like the tables are shifting. Um, I mean, it, it's weird because also in college football, my Michigan Wolverines beat Ohio State for the second straight year. And there's a shift in that rivalry, too. So I'm really hoping that, you know, starting obviously next season, I don't think Fields is going to play in this game. Uh, I really don't want him to. But I could definitely see this rivalry starting to shift uh, in the Bears' favor. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic for 2023. But then I remember I have to cover five more games with Trevor Simeon or Nathan Peterman or whoever the hell is going to be the quarterback. So mm -hmm. it's a little rough. Yeah, indeed. Well, and we learned today that uh, Chase Claypool was limited by a knee injury in practice today. And Dante Pettis was out with an injury. So the only receivers who practiced today, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, were Equinemius St. Brown, who has 14 receptions this season, uh, Brian Pringle, who has uh, five, Nikhil Harry, who has four, and rookie Valus Jones, who has three. So that's another reason perhaps we don't want Justin Fields to play. We, and we've got those injuries at the offensive line. Riley Reef and backup Larry Borum are both hurt, and we might see – Alex Leatherwood uh, play, but it's not like he's getting great endorsements from the coaching staff uh, when they talk to the media. So let's go back to this, the, the past receivers. Of those guys that I mentioned, St. Brown, Pringle, Harry, Valus Jones, if those are the primary pass catchers for Sunday's game against the Packers, which one would you like to see you know, step forward and, and provide something that we can all hang our hats on, so to speak? I mean, I think the obvious answer is Valus Jones. I mean, he's your third round rookie and he hasn't really been involved in offense this season, which has been really frustrating. But at the same time, you know, he hasn't done enough to really earn that. And I think now when you have, you know, Mooney out and you have Chase Claypool injured and now you're down to what four receivers, I mean, he's going to get opportunities now. So, I mean, I guess that's, you know, looking on the bright side of things, I really want to see what he can do in this offense because you know, on the on the few instances that he really has been involved, I mean, we've seen what his speed can do and like how creative Luke Getze can get with him. And I think this is the perfect opportunity. You know, we've seen seen him a little bit on, in that speed on special teams, and now you want to see what Getze can do uh, with with Valus on offense. And I mean, it's rough though because I really want you want to see him and Justin really get that chemistry down. And it doesn't look like Justin's going to be playing again. I don't want him to. Please wrap him in bubble wrap. And let's just shelve him for 2023 at this point. Uh, but, you know, you, I want to see Bayless get involved on offense a little bit more and see what he can do. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I'd love to see Bayless Jones have a game, you know, where he's he, with that game. We can all now start to shift our opinion because, you know, for the most part, most of us think that maybe he was overdrafted in the third round. Every draft prognosticator that I saw had Bayless Jones as a day three pick maybe fourth or fifth round uh, and to select him in the third round was a huge surprise to me, so, but hopefully Luke Getze, who I think was pounding the table for, for Valus and Ryan Poles, you know, know something that we don't and that this kid is going to overcome whatever mental blocks he's had and, and start to play well. And so he needs some snaps. That's the only way we're going to see if he can come through at least now 
or we have to wait another uh, off season to see improvement in him. And the other, all of these other guys really are intriguing to me too. You know, St. Brown is somebody that I was really happy that the bears acquired because of his size and speed. And, uh, but I was also concerned, you know, if you got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and you're not producing big numbers, then there could be something wrong with you, Mr. St. Brown. And so I think that's what we're seeing is that he has limitations. He's a very good blocking wide receiver, but it's not like he is going to win games for you with his pass catching, And but maybe he'll prove us wrong. Uh, Brian uh, Pringle uh, from Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, he could be the guy, uh, Iberflus talked about in the press conference today, that he, this is a great opportunity for him. You know, he was, I think, the first uh, free agent signing after the debacle with Ogan Joby. And so let's uh, let's see if this guy can can show something. I mean, he had great flashes. He was a 30-40 catch guy with Kansas City. So I'd love to see him uh, improve. And the kill Harry was considered a first round bust with with the New England Patriots. But when I saw him uh, at Hallis Hall, boy, oh boy, he he did some impressive things before he went down with an injury. I mean, this is a really big wide receiver who can run really fast. So all of those names of the guys that did practice today are intriguing. And now with Darnell Mooney out, they'll get their chance to prove something. Uh, somebody in the chat room asked a question about the offensive line. I'll ask you first, and then I'll share my opinion. Who would you say is our worst offensive line? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're letting me go first too. So I appreciate this. I mean, Sam Mustafer, I mean, this is, I've, Kind of been standing on this, uh, you know. I've been I've had this stand since last year. I mean, I'm just when you know because Mustafer has had a rough year, obviously, and just when we had Lucas Patrick, you know, right and able to snap for he's in there and he played like what like a few snaps and then he's out. It's like oh great, okay, Mustafer's back. I mean, they benched him, but now they can't afford not to bench him. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely think that uh, center, obviously. Even with Patrick, you know, he has one uh, one more year left on his deal. I think I would like to see the Bears target a center in the draft. Um, Olu Oluwatimi uh, from Michigan is he's he's phenomenal. I've, obviously, I watch him every week, and he's someone I would love to see the Bears target. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's so many positions that they need to address on this offensive line. I mean, to kind of go in the opposite way, like who's been the best? I mean, Tevin Jenkins has been like one of the biggest surprises this season, and he's really found a home there at right guard and he's just been mauling people. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, but I mean, how do you not say Mustafer? <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. Hands down. Right. I don't think you'll get any votes for anybody else. I mean, that would be silly, Sam, you know, and, and, and I come to the defense of, of Sam a little bit. I don't think he's been as terrible as a lot of people point him out to be, but he's definitely has had terrible plays you know, where he has looked badly beaten. And so that really shines a spotlight. And, and you, you know, people just tend to think you, you're awful uh, because he's had a number of awful plays. But overall, I think he is an NFL uh, offensive lineman. He just should not be a starter, uh, at least for this team. And so you're right about, um, you know, Tevin Jenkins. This guy has really – I actually retweeted – uh, Brandon Thorne uh, tweets out a lot of offensive line play, and he put together a highlight package of Tevin Jenkins just mauling people. I mean, he's <laughs> not blocking people; he's he's mauling them. He's a, he's he's stealing their wallets. You know, he's pushing. The, he's he's the bully in the playground, knocking people to the ground and and smack talking and stuff. And that's the type of offensive line the Chicago Bears should have: very aggressive, very mean, very nasty. 
uh, offensive line, and Tevin Jenkins could be that guy. Uh, 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 who is it? Uh, uh, Dan Bernstein on the Score Sports Radio did a segment on his show saying that the Bears really needed a center like that. And I, I would love to see the Bears acquire a center with a mean streak, not mean streak where he's going to get stupid penalties or anything, but just a very aggressive t- team leader. You know, Cody Whitehair is very soft-spoken and um, – uh, Larry Larry Borum is also soft-spoken. They need somebody up there, like a very vocal uh, leader who is going to make sure, like an Olin Krutz type. Uh, yes. So that's what this team needs. I, I'd love to see that happen. All right. Definitely. Can we like? Can we just like uh, just clone uh, Devin Jenkins and we have five of them across the line? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it worry you about some of the stuff that's happened? You know that we, we don't know the full story. You know why he was benched and then you know moved to guard and sat out sometime and stuff. All these mystery things that no one's really ever disclosed what was behind all that stuff. Does any of that stuff yeah. concern you? I don't know. Not really. He's producing on the field, which is the most important part. And I mean, it takes a special coach, I guess, to if it takes a special coach to really get to him. And I think Chris Morgan's been doing a good job. Then I mean, I have no problem with it. He's the best. He's their best offensive lineman. This could not have worked out more perfectly. My goodness, just like I forgot that all that happened in the off season. It's like look how far he's come. Like everyone was like, oh no, we're done with Tevin, blah blah blah, and now. He's their best offensive lineman and just mauling people. And it, it's been really nice to see. I mean, I don't think I'm concerned with that at this point. Uh, I, I love the production on the field. Our uh, fellow barroom uh, show co-host Cliff Victoria wants to know about Alex Leatherwood. What do you think about him? I want to see him a little bit more. I mean, I, again, with Riley Reef going down and, and Larry Borum now down as well. I, now I don't want Justin in there, but Hey, let's see what Leatherwood can do. I mean, that's why you went out and you, 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 you put a waiver claim in for him. So this is the time where we know that I don't think they're mathematically eliminated yet, but let's be real. They're done. No way in hell they're making the playoffs. So at this point, I mean, what do you have to lose? Your franchise quarterback isn't going to be back there. So let's see what Leatherwood can do. I mean, that's the thing, because obviously the offensive line is going to be a big focal point this offseason. So this is the time where, you know, Ryan Poles really needs to see, OK, what can Leatherwood do? You know, is, you know, right tackle a position that I need to focus on left tackle? You know, there's so he's going to do a lot of evaluation and they need to have some tape uh, of Leatherwood with the Bears, I think, to really help that evaluation. So I would love to see him get, uh, get a lot more play here in these final five games. Yeah, I would. I would, too. I, I just I'm worried that, you know, again, when when he's talked about at press conferences, it's not like a ringing endorsement. Uh, this guy played left tackle for the Raiders and he was so bad they moved him to the right guard position. And after one year of playing that position, you know, they got rid of him. Uh, so a guy of immense talents. And so you got to wonder why he's not showing that on the football field and why he's not impressing the heck out of coaches. Uh, so hopefully he can uh, allay our concerns and get out there and start playing and playing at a high level right away. Um, Luke Esterling wrote an article that you guys published over at bearswire.com. And he's basically, he, he's, he's a kind of a national writer for touchdownwire.com. Is that, do I have that correct? 
Yeah, he, he well, he Luke does draft wire and also Bucks wire. Okay, all right. So, uh, and he basically endorsed this idea of shutting down Justin Fields and shutting down uh, all of the key guys and start to look at everyone on the bench, every every player, basically shut everything down and start preparing now for 2023. What do you think about that approach? I mean, that's the thing. Like this season was about development. I mean, it was never going to be about winning. And I think that we all went into the season with that mindset. And that's why I do. I mean, I'm torn. Obviously, I want to see Justin Fields, but he's hurt. And you're down players. You're down his top receiver. You're down offensive lineman. He's already got he's already like the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. I mean, I don't want him further furthering that that shoulder injury and risking that. So I'm good with shutting it down for the year and then really bringing out these other guys and seeing what they have. And I love the article that Luke wrote in terms of, you know, he sees the Bears being one of those worst to first, you know, teams, because mm-hmm. obviously when you look at this offseason, what Ryan Poles has obviously a lot of money to work with. And you're going to have, at this point, it feels guaranteed to be a top three draft pick. I mean, I think the Broncos are going to give them a little competition there, but obviously that pick goes to the Lions. So, um, I mean, it's going to be interesting because you have that money, you have the draft capital, and you have the quarterback, which is the most important thing of this all. And that's why, I, I think a big reason why Luke really believes, and I believe as well, that, you know, the Bears really could surprise a lot of people next uh, next year. We've seen them do some you know, turn in some pretty, at least uh, during the Matt Nagy, I remember his first year, you know, they were at, were really bad in 17 and they went out and they made some, some really important signings. And then in 2018 shocked everybody. And that was with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. So now imagine what this Bears team can do with Justin Fields, who is really making something out of nothing out there. I mean, I feel like if you didn't already appreciate what Justin Fields has been doing, you watched last Sunday's game when Trevor Simeon was out there and when that offense put up 10 points and then you're like, wow. So Justin Fields kind of accounts for like an additional three touchdowns just because he's him and he's special. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a big reason why I think that this team can really turn things around next year and they have the resources to do it. Yeah. My only concern with free agency is that, you know, I looked at the list of free agents and uh, there aren't a lot of people on that list that I say, we have got to get this guy, you know, Deron Payne, uh, the nose tackle or or three tech uh, uh, defensive tackle from uh, the commanders is a guy that I would really like. And a lot of people are saying, well, Washington won't let him uh, go. But actually, they might because they did not pick up the fifth-year option on his contract, and they're already paying another defensive tackle on the team over $20 million. So it's unlikely they would have two defensive tackles making, on average, $20 million. So I'm pretty sure they're going to allow him to test free agency, and he's a guy that could immediately provide an inside pass rush and stop help stop the run. So he would be great. But Outside of that, man, there aren't tons of other names. Mike McGlinchkey at at, uh, at right tackle is is a name, uh, and maybe if you come out of free agency with a right tackle and a three tech, maybe that's enough, you know, in terms of gems uh, in free agency, and then go out and really hit a grand slam uh, in uh, the NFL draft and pick up four starters. Maybe that maybe that's what we should expect from uh, from the Bears in, in in the off season. What, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. And, li- and like you mentioned, I haven't really done a deep dive yet in the free agents. I'm gonna t- uh, save that for uh, uh, when the Bears have a bye week next week. But 
you know, looking at the receiver group, for example, there's not really a big name, which is exactly why we saw the Bears go out and trade for Chase Claypool. So now you're also banking on Claypool, you know, really having an impact uh, in 2023. So, I mean, obviously that's something you, you know, I was really excited to see like Fields and Claypool really get some opportunity to build that chemistry. And obviously that has not happened because Fields is injured now. Now Claypool's hurt. So there's going to be a lot of that in the offseason. And then when uh, during the offseason program and training camp and all of that. So, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting uh, when I do my deep dive. It's going to be like, OK, maybe I would like rank the positions, by like uh, the best uh, position groups and free agency and all this stuff. So, I mean, I, it's going to be interesting, but again, the draft too, I'll be really interested to see how they handle having that. If they have the number two overall pick, do you sit there, you know, do you get, get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, or do you trade back with a quarterback needy team? Cause my goodness, there are quite a few quarterbacks and a lot of quarterback needy teams that would, you know, hopefully pay a King's ransom to get that pick. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting off season, I think. Mm. How uh, important is this Packers game for you as a fan? I mean, are you, would you be willing to sacrifice if the football gods came down and said, Alyssa, we're going to give you the decision. Uh, you can beat the Packers by saying yes, uh, but you'll be giving up a top five pick in the NFL draft. Oh gosh, that's hard. Because <laughs> like my first instinct, you're like beat the Packers. Yes, like that's it's just it. It's the rivalry. I mean, the fact that the Bears haven't beaten them since 2018. Uh, but at the same time, there's nothing worth playing for at this point. I really feel like this rivalry is going to be turning a corner. So I mean, we've waited a while for the Bears to be good. We've waited a very long time for a franchise quarterback. We've been waiting a while for this rivalry to get back on the Bears' side. So I guess we can wait a little bit longer because, man, the diff, like not a top five pick if they beat the Packers. I don't know if I'm willing to, to sacrifice that at this point because there are some teams that I'm keeping a, a, an eye out, obviously, on the Broncos, and that pick goes to the Lions. So, right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, want the, I want them to beat them. But at the same time, just knowing that it feels like the Bears and Packers are trending in opposite directions mm -hmm. and that there's a time where we could say, hey, the Bears are going to have the best quarterback in the division – I mean, I feel like that's good enough for me. The Packers are four and eight right now. Even if they win, I mean, I feel like they're going to win. Um, they're really not going anywhere. And it's not really going to do much for them. But the Bears losing and continuing to hold strong at that number two pick, I'm good. Okay. Well, I got to tell you, one of the reasons I really want the Bears uh, to beat the Packers and then just – cash it in you know just just play the 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 third and fourth stringers the rest of the way it's because you know i live here in chicago i've got a lot of friends who are packer fans from wisconsin and as j rock said packer fans are spoiled yes. Omni says they turned on Favre, turned on rogers it's just a natural progression for divas and the nfl toa says I'm a Bears fan living in Wisconsin. The way they turned on their greats, it's like the Bears fans turning on Walter Payton. Should have never gave their fans greatness. And then three points. <laughs> I had a question for Eli. Why is Roger <laughs> <Bell> so annoying? <laughs> and then Eli shows up with that dinner that says title town. It's like, yeah. I was like, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That franchise wouldn't even exist if it was for George Hallis giving Preach. Nick Lambo a, uh, a loan. So it's uh, I, I really want to see this end. And, and there's nothing more that I want right now in my lifetime that 
obviously outside of health for family and, and so forth, but uh, to for the Bears to really annihilate a Aaron Rodgers led Packers team. That's that's how I feel. <laughs> and if the- I would feel, yeah, I'd feel good about that if Fields was playing and he was healthy. And I mean, I do want them to beat them. I mean, they have. I feel like they have to. I mean, don't you feel like there's one more win out there for this season? Yeah. Like one more. This one only because only because you know John said in the open that is like age like like milk at this point about them not being a two to three win team like i feel like they need to win four now you know what i mean just so we can just say hey okay john's premonition did not come true (laughs) Uh, i'll tell you what if if the bears lose against the packers i'm going to change that the open because i I don't (laughs) want john to come back and be upset listen to that and snarl at me i can't believe you still left that in there So can I get an official prediction out of you? I know that you're picking the Packers to win, but uh, give me a score as well. Oh, man. Uh, I haven't sat down and do that yet. I'm actually going to write it tomorrow because I'm embarrassed why our picks come out on Friday. But, yeah, I mean, I always say that I'm going to pick the Packers until the Bears prove they can beat the Packers because, (laughs) I mean, that's just – I mean, I'm not – they're not going to make me look stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really surprised by Eli's prediction about, you know, he said 27-21, I believe it was, or 23 or something. Yeah. And the la- last time they played, it was 27-10, and that was with Justin Fields. And mm-hmm. I know things have changed, but, I mean, it's I, I find it hard to imagine, even though they're going to be at Soldier Field, that Trevor Simeon or Nathan Peterman's going to lead them to more points than that. I mean, keep it close, a one-score game. I mean, I don't know. Again, it depends. Like, it, it's rough because it depends on who's playing. Uh, even, like, a, if I don't want him to, but if Fields plays, I still feel like he's going to account for additional points. So, and make it a little closer, but this is my way of saying that I think the Packers are going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I really feel like, and I, I hope I'm wrong, you know, because Aaron Rodgers has had a rough year and I've enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> I feel like this is that one of those games where he's going to like, just go off and like find his mojo and then he's going to lose it the next week, obviously, but yep. you know, he's going to be like, yeah, at least I can still beat the bears. Even when I suck. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that could be rough. So I'm going to, I'm picking the Packers. I'm not sure on the score yet, but I definitely think it'll be by at least two scores. Okay. Well, we'll look for your actual prediction on bearswire.com <laughs> tomorrow. I, you know, I feel like, you know, uh, Trevor Simeon, who is likely the starter, I think he's going to have a better game. I think he'll play a better four quarters uh, against uh, the Packers than he did. Uh, uh, versus the Jets where he had just that one good half and then things started to break down. The key thing is moving the chains, ball control, try to keep Rodgers off the field and uh, and hitting some explosive plays here and there. I really like the fact that Trevor went deep uh, to chase Claypool and said, I'm just going to, after the game, he said, I told him this week, I was just going to throw it up and you make a play. Uh, and that's what you got to do with a wide receiver like Chase Claypool. And in fact, you got a number of guys on this team who are of that 6'3", 6'4", uh, height uh, that, you know, the one thing that I think uh, if Justin learned anything about this game is, you know, let these guys make plays, throw, throw it up there. And um, if you got one-on-one coverage, throw it up there and let those guys make plays. And Justin did say uh, one thing that he learned about Trevor uh, Justin said at today's press conference is that he really uh, liked what he saw out of Trevor Simeon going to that uh, second read very quickly. Uh, the pass to Darrington Evans uh, was something that Justin himself probably would have got there a second later uh, than Trevor, and he was impressed how quickly 
uh, Trevor got there. And so that's one of the things that, of course, Fields has to improve on if he's going to improve his passing game. So uh, maybe, you know, another watching Trevor another game or so is, isn't, isn't going to be a bad thing for uh, Justin Fields' development. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, definitely. And actually kind of, I mean, you're like starting to convince me maybe it could be a little closer because how, how I forget the Packers have one of the worst, or I think the second worst run defense in the league uh, at this point. So this could be a game too, where Dave Montgomery goes off. I mean, he had his best game of the year uh, in week two against the Packers and I think they were a little more stout back then. So now, I mean, this is just a porous run defense worse than the bears, which is surprising, but I mean, yeah, going back to your question, I think that, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, Justin learning from the sidelines from Trevor, you know, because they both obviously have different skill sets. And, you know, Justin, obviously, we know he can run the ball, um, you know, and so we're starting to see the passing game obviously hasn't gotten going this year. So, you know, it definitely wouldn't hurt. Again, I'm pro sitting Justin and letting him get healthy and not further risking an injury, especially against the Packers. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it obviously it's going to be rough because you're playing the Packers and they're most likely going to win and you don't have your franchise quarterback out there, but you know, we'll get through it. I think we'll get through it together. We have to get through it together. We have to. And we I have 2023. We have 2023. That's right. Sorry. I'm really looking forward to 2023. I'm telling you. <laughs> as soon as the season's over, I'm opening up a bottle of champagne and start yes. studying, studying my uh, free agent draft picks. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Alyssa, why don't you tell the audience what you're working on? Yeah, so over at Bears Wire, we are previewing this uh, Week 13 game against the Packers. Um, yeah, it's it, it might be brutal, but hey, we're still kicking. Uh, and then obviously with the bye week coming up uh, next week, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, preview for the offseason. So, I mean, there's always stuff to talk about with this team. And we still got Justin Fields, so there's plenty of excitement abound at BearsWire.com. There you go. Um, and our next Bears programming here is going to be live uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m., the Mac and Reed show. Uh, Ross Reed has some interesting takes on Justin Fields and what the Bears should do with him and how they should complement him uh, in the offseason. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, both guys will also talk about some pop culture things in the last uh, 15, 20 minutes of their one-hour show. That's tomorrow, 6 p.m. Central, live here on the Barroom Network. And then Science Fliction will follow at 9 p.m. And all of these shows are available on demand here on our YouTube channel. Uh, the best way to stay on top of what we do here uh, with our video live shows is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then you'll get updates on your devices and also most of our programming. And in addition to our, our video program, we've got audio-only programming programming on our uh, Bears Bar, excuse me, Barroom Network uh, audio uh channel so you can find that on itunes spotify you name it just search barroom network all right Alyssa, you're the best i think next week we're taking the week off because it's a bye week and then we'll be back the following week and, and in place of this show danny shaman will uh, take the time slot for his show called uh, bear truth where he's going to break down some tape on Jack Sanborn and some other players. So that's going to be a good show. Look for it next week. And then John will be back with Alyssa in uh, two weeks, I hope, and pray. <laughs> yeah, and that's what perfect timing. I believe that's the Eagles game. Oh my so, <laughs> I mean, you, looking at, do you have your spaceship graphic available? Yes, like, I do. <laughs> schedule. Because look at like, these last five games. I mean, is there a win on here? I, I don't. don't. I, 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 first of all, where is it? Oh, there it is. <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> no, there's not a win on here. I mean, there's a- 17 against the Lions, that's probably it. Uh, unfortunately, that's on the road. That's not a tough place to win. Or maybe if the Vikings have like you know secured I don't know home field advantage or the Eagles already have and the Vikings mm. have nothing to play for and maybe they decide to rest their guys maybe we stand a chance. <laughs> I'm gonna be at that game by the way, so yeah, it would be nice if uh, the Bears can pulverize the Vikings uh, and and the, you know well again we get back to that thing. Well, do you want the draft pick or do you want a meaningless win <laughs> over the Vikings? All I know is I'll be drinking heavily that day. (laughs) And also on uh, Christmas Eve when Josh Allen's going to just ruin our Christmas. It's going to be so ugly. I mean, whoever came up with the schedule, they must have been, you know, like a Packer fan. Yeah, let's put the Bears up against the Bills on Christmas Day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Evil. I'm telling you, evil. (laughs) So rude, but I don't care when it comes Thanksgiving because they play the Lions. uh, Not Thanksgiving, New Year's. What am I talking about? Um, When they they play the Lions on Thanksgiving. I keep saying it on New Year's Day. uh, I'm still going to pop my champagne uh, at that point because it's officially 2023, and then there are only two games left then we can start building for the future uh that's not as ugly as this season has been because man oh it's been bad <laughs> it has been bad all right make sure you follow Alyssa barbieri at Alyssa barbieri on twitter and of course follow bears wire on, on the twitter machine and the barroom network for Alyssa and for the vacationing john before my name is aldo gandia take care everybody